Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you to connect with Jesus and become more like Him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. Hey, we're full circle. Now we're teaching people to get addicted. I spent years trying to get off addiction. Yeah. Now I'm back on addiction. It's full circle. And uh, hey, we're gonna have a little conversation on in the topic of the soul. And we've got a bunch of questions and some people even sent them in. And um, kind of jumping off of that thought though, last week, and that, that came from a verse, 1 Corinthians 16, where you're talking about they became addicted to the things of God or the way of the saints. And talk to me about how, how can I break unhealthy addictions, old addictions, old habits, and how can I develop these new addictions for, for God and the things of God, and how do I change my desire, my appetite for these old addictions and shift it to this new godly lifestyle? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think the, the answer is actually part of the question, starting the new addiction is the way to break the old addiction. Right? So let's say I had an old addiction to my lazy boy chair. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and maybe I'm just, I'm just a little slow, right? I've been sitting around a lot, gained some weight. You know, pretty soon my knees are sore, my ankles are sore, my joints are hurting, and years go by. And how do I get out of this habit of just sitting around watching TV and just being sedate. Okay, well, the only way is to start a new habit, and that is I'm going to stand up. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to walk the block. I'm going to walk a half mile. I'm going to walk about. And at some point, usually not at the beginning, right? When you start, you're just doing it because you know you should. I need to, I need to get, get moving. But at some point, you realize, man, I feel better. This is better. Being healthy is better. Being active is better than being sedate. And, and it happens in every realm the same way. When I come to church, I lift up my hands and I sing and I praise the Lord, not because I feel like it, right? Sometimes my week's been hard and I've got stuff going on and I'm trying to keep my mind clear. I do it because God said to do it. And then at some point, I start feeling it, yeah. right? It might be at the end of the first song, second song. I start feeling it. Well, that's the way it is. Creating new habits or a new addiction always starts because you believe it's godly. You believe it's good. You believe it's right. And at some point, you realize, man, this is better. This is helping. This is making my life on a higher level. So, yeah, breaking the old really is about starting the new. So uh, I think, you know, addiction off, often has a, has a sense of it's negative as a power over me. Yeah. And we use that to, to describe things we're trying to get rid of. But uh, habits usually are a little more healthy. You know, we're trying to have good habits. And uh, tell me, uh, how do I start it? What's the first step in the process? How do I get healthy habits going because um, as I've just been struggling, you know, my old habits, my old addictions, uh, whether it's been a drug addiction 
or a pornography addiction or an anger addiction. As, as that's defined how I've gotten up to this point and my soul's unhealthy. How do I get past it? So if I'm starting a new one to get over the old one, tell me some steps, some processes. What do I got to do to start these new ones? What are the new ones that I'm trying to start to get a healthy soul? Yeah, so I think that one of the, the things that we, we empower addictions and the world has given us tools to empower addictions, right? We give them power over our lives. So sometimes we say things like, well, you know, I was diagnosed with attention deficit, which means I have a good reason not to pay attention. I, I was diagnosed as alcoholic, which means it's not my fault that I'm a drunk. So we empower these negative habits or addictions, and the world actually helps us. Yeah. The world teaches us. Yeah. Maybe you've said to your child, well, you know, in our family, uh, we don't really go to college. There's no sense you going to the college prep classes because we don't, we don't do that. So you teach your child the excuses or the reasons why that bad habit or that addiction or that way of life is normal. It's just the way we are. It's, I mean, we can't help it. We don't choose this. It's just who we are. And everybody in our family has a weight problem or a heart problem or a divorce problem. You know, it's just we communicate and we normalize the addiction or the bad habit and we accept it and as if it's something we can't help. And my mentor back when I was first becoming a Christian, uh, Julius, was there in the season when alcoholism was deemed a disease. Up until the 60s, you just drank too much. And the, and the answer for your problem was stop drinking so much. Okay? But now, in the 60s, it was a disease. And as soon as it became a disease, now hospitals, doctors, counselors would get paid by insurance companies. So you come back to a lot of these problems that the world has endorsed or normalized. It's attached to money benefits. So alcoholism is now a disease and then Insurance companies pay and doctors make money and programs make money and we're helping people who have this disease. Well, okay. If you tell yourself, I have this problem because I'm sick, I'm overweight, I drink too much, I have a heart problem, have diabetes, whatever, now you've given yourself an excuse. So Caleb's question was, how do I get started on a new habit? Number one. Stop the excuse. Whatever you've been telling yourself, my family always, my parents, all my people, whatever you've been telling yourself, you got to stop. There's no excuse. You can change if you want to. I could have said, it's a personality thing. I, I, I just have that, that personality that makes me an addict. And counselors told me that. They said, oh, you're always going to have a problem with this because this is the way you are, and, you know, you just have to accept it. Yeah. Just embrace it. Yeah. No. Julia said, Big Red, you can change. Yeah. God's Bible, God's Word tells you you can change. 
You can renew your mind and have God's will. You can break the diabetes cycle. You can break the weight cycle. You can break the divorce cycle. You can break the any addiction cycle if you decide what God said is more real than what the world said. And then you start taking the small steps. But that first step is stop the excuse. I love how you talked about we create excuses or reasons that give ourselves out. And could it be that most of our reasons why we can't is the very reason God's wanting, is the very thing God's wanting to use to use us? So you think about everyone in the Bible. We often, the, the term David and Goliath is only used because David was small. That could have been what he said. Well, there's no way I'm the one to fight Goliath. I'm I'm so small. small. And then you go look at Moses. We couldn't speak well. He had a stutter. God would never use me to speak on the behalf of the people. Well, God was like, I'm going to use you to speak. Look at Abraham. What's the only thing he couldn't do? Have children. God's like, let's use you to be a father. Like, God, I could do a lot of stuff. But that. That's the one thing. Yeah, and so I think many of us, what we've allowed to be the reason to disqualify us, what if that's the very thing that qualifies us? Very good. Come on. Yeah, so turn your excuse into the reason why you can, right? Your personality, your DNA, whatever it is, is the reason you can become that person God called you to be. I think we have to be aware as Christians that God is looking to use who the world looks as unusable. The, not the, the less than, the person that can't speak with clarity, the person, yeah, the small one to beat the giant. If you felt like you had everything going your way, that might be the disqualifier. So maybe you should celebrate that you found a reason. Like, man, there's a reason God shouldn't use me. And I'm excited because I finally found what God probably is unfortunately gonna use. Uh, As we're working on these habits, uh, I also wanted, I probably learned this from you along the way at some point in this, but I think habits, uh, I think we are created or designed by God to operate in system or in habit. You know, our bodies are systems and they work consistently. So you don't have to think about blinking all day and yet you blink all day. You don't have to think about breathing all day, but there's a system to allow me to breathe all day. I have a habit of breathing all day. So I don't have to focus my mind all day long to do what God has created for me to do. So we create systems or habits in our life to live the life God created us to live, to live without always having to exhaust ourselves with the mental energy of living the way he called us to live, creating those healthy habits. But I think too many of us have given in to unhealthy desires or addictions, so we have unhealthy habits. And so then when we try to break them, we focus more on the outcome or the process. So what do I have to get or what do I have to do? But I think healthy habits are formed when we focus more on the identity. So because I'm, an, because I'm a healthy person, because I'm an athlete, I go to the gym. I'm not focused on I have to go to the gym to lose weight. I'm focused on because I'm healthy, I do healthy things. Yep. I think many people, maybe for uh, easier examples, like uh, if they're trying to stop smoking, like I'd stop smoking. Stop. No, no, no. Just decide that my identity is someone that doesn't smoke. I, I, I am not a smoker. Right. I'm not telling people I'm trying to quit. 
I'm deciding that who I am is someone that doesn't do this. Yep. And once you've formed a healthier identity, habits will flow out of the identity of who you are. But if you try to build a habit that doesn't match your identity, it'll, it'll be hard for you to keep it and it'll eventually fade. Yeah, very good. You have to attach habits to identity. Okay, uh, you, you've talked about this question or this thought throughout your teaching in, the, in this series of, a few times on the single-minded man, the single-minded woman, the focused mind. How do, I, how do I develop that skill to be a person that is single-minded, yeah. that's focused, that controls my thoughts, that sets my vision with clarity. Yeah, maybe step one is realization of how important being single-minded is and how debilitating or destructive being double-minded is, hmm. right? So if, if while you're here, you love the Lord, you believe the Bible, you're trusting God, you're expecting God to work in your life. But tomorrow, you're worried about the climate, you're worried about the government, you're worried about the economy. So you're double-minded, right? You're one day believing, the next day doubting. If you don't realize how debilitating that is, how, how negative that habit, that lifestyle is, then you'll never change it. Right? So you have to realize, I need to get solid. I need to get sure. I need to get focused. And James chapter 1, I think I read it last week, if you're double-minded, you're unstable. So why do people get divorced? Okay, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, right? Because we've all been through our battles, so I understand. But the bottom line is we're double-minded. We made a vow. We didn't really believe in that vow. On the day we said it, we thought we were meaningful, but then stuff happens and we're like, I'm out of here. Yeah. So that double-minded way, we have children, we don't stay faithful to our children. We, have, we get a job, we don't show up, we quit. It's just our culture now is double-minded, it's compromised, it's, it's, it's two, two ways and, and not clear. Isn't it interesting that gender identity and, and uh, how do we define our identities is such a big thing. We don't even know who are, we don't even know what we are. In our, I'm talking about our world, our culture. So getting focused, what God said is more true than what I feel. What God directs and teaches me to do is possible and it's more, more of a blessing, more of a benefit than anything the world says. So I'm just going with this. I'm following the word. I'm fixing my mind. I'm setting my mind on the things of God. And the Bible said, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you're thinking on the ways of the world, you're a worldly person. You get what the world has. But you think on the things of God, you're a godly person. You get what God has. And the other thing to keep in mind is you're, you're one person, and wherever you go, there you are. That was yeah, so sometimes we kind of trick ourselves. Well, I'm really good in prayer, but I, I don't read my Bible. Well, I'm really good, you know, I work hard on my job, but, you know, I haven't been very good with the children and raising my... I mean, I'm really good in this, but I'm not... Stop. You are who you are. Now, what's God's will and God's plan in each area 
and how can I move forward with God in each area of life? Not going to happen all at once, but I want to be as, as much godly and focused as I can be in every area. Don't give yourself those excuses because they will trip you and, and they will stop you. So, yeah, get focused. Start that new habit and uh, be, that, be that identity that comes from the Bible, not from Grandma. You know, they say uh, that our attention spans now are about eight seconds long, which is just under the lengths of a goldfish. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Our attention spans are just, the front row is really full right now. You guys see this? Is that how many chairs are in that row? You guys are packed out. Speaking of attention spans. So... You said this story years ago, and it stuck with me. And uh, you made a comment about Julius, who led the rehab that you went to and led you to Jesus, and uh, how he challenged you to focus your thoughts for just a minute. And your first response was, of course I could do that. And then you went and read one verse, and within you know, seconds, your, your mind's drifting. You're thinking about other things. And uh, I think a good step, a good practice for all of us is uh, find time in your day, whether it's the first thing you do in the morning or uh, at lunch at work, or find a time where you set time aside to read your Bible for five minutes and try to hold your thoughts to just those verses. Now listen, if your mind drifts, just bring it back. Don't beat yourself up. Don't give up. Don't say, I'm not good at this. Just bring it back and finish the five minutes. Timer goes off, you could go do something else. And just every day, find a way to, because str- you, don't, you don't go to the gym already strong. You go to the gym to get strong. And so when you're reading your Bible, you're not gonna start reading your Bible already good at reading your Bible. You're not gonna be able to all of a sudden have just perfect focus from the beginning. You start somewhere and you just get better and you get better. And so you, you just, you practice your attention, you practice your focus, and too many of us just are never willing to put in the work to get better. We say, no, I'm just scattered, or I just can't control. Or, I just, no, you can if you worked it. You can if you try, and you'll get better the more you keep working on it. Right. Maybe you've been told since you were a child you, you have attention deficit disorder. So now you, you don't even try to meditate. Mm-hmm. Or like Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, that's a great scripture, set your mind on things above. So you you read about the things of God, set your mind on that. Put your mind where you want it to be. Don't let the media define where your mind goes. Don't let the world define where your mind goes. You choose where your mind goes. And, you know, you, you golfers, I know quite a few... Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap right there. It's a, that's a good idea, right? I know there's a few golfers out here. You have drills you work on to find your center, to know your alignment, to practice your long clubs, your short clubs, your putting. You have drills to get better. You runners, you athletes, you stretch. You have certain exercises you do. Drills, you're, you're practicing so you can do what you do. Why would you not have drills for your mind? Exercises for your mind. That's why we send our kids to school, not because they need to remember everything the teacher said, so they can get their mind working, right? So get your mind in shape. 
You know, um, my pastor uh, in Alabama says this thought. He goes, I have chosen ignorance in certain areas. So he chooses areas in, in ch- he chooses topics to, to be ignorant in. And he says, listen, I've just decided I don't want to know about it. And I've chosen to just, I don't even, because could it be in our world today, in our culture, that we're overthinking things that we don't even need to think about at all? Like, let's say, for example, you solved the problem on the, the, a, war, a war across the world. Is anyone listening to you? You're not in that position. Let's say, let's say you came up with it. You, you had the breakthrough. Yeah. Now what? Most of, us, Tweet it. We, we, most of us aren't even able to process and come up with a good, healthy solution to begin with. But let's say that you did. Then what? So I think too many of us are thinking on too many things that don't matter and not enough on things that do. And so we're filling our mind with news and we're filling our mind with social media. We're filling our mind with so many different things as opposed to say, I'm going to think on having healthy relationships. I'm going to think on having healthy uh, self-image. I'm going to focus on having healthy parenting. And if we could set our mind on four or five topics as opposed to 100 topics, that it doesn't matter even if we did solve them in our own head. Um, Maybe the devil has done a good job of getting us to just think about stuff that we don't need to be worried about. It matters, and we should pray about it, but not worry about it. Someone's working on it. Someone's dealing with it. God is is there in the works, and we need to pray for God to work, but we don't need to live with that on our conscience. Rather than following the Kardashians, the Bachelorette, the Bachelor. What's the new one now? The old Bachelor. The Golden. Yeah. The Golden Bachelor. See, the relationship doesn't last long enough, so they're deciding let's just start the relationship later in life. Yeah. And it'll last. Yeah, you're gonna die in a year. Yeah, so we only need your it to marriage last a will year. last till you die. Success. They're, they're raising the bar of success. But you can imagine all these people following this and having an opinion. Oh trolling these guys, no wonder their life is a disaster. Amen. How do I, how do I uh, heal, get healthy, heal my soul from either past pains, wounds, uh, abuse, uh, mistakes that I've made? How do I get healthy as in my soul and also simultaneously be a light? reach people, serve people. Can I do both? Is there a way for me to get healthy and also serve others? Yeah, well, great question. And it is important that you, you know, get focused on, on the things that will make you like Christ and the things you need to do to, to grow, to become the Christian he's called you to be. However, there's a great part, a great percentage of Christian life that cannot happen if you're not giving it away, serving other people. Um, Many of you have had a knee surgery or a back surgery or some other medical treatment, and what the doctor said was, okay, I need you to one week, stay off it, and then here's your exercises. You got to start moving. You got to start going. If you stay stagnant, even though we did the surgery or whatever it was, you won't heal. And that's the way Christianity is. 
There may be a season where you're just trying to get saved, get filled with the Spirit, get, get in the membership of church, get in a life group. Okay, I'm just getting in my flow. Now I got to start moving. I got to pray for somebody else. I got to share what I know. I got to invite my friends over for life group. I, I got to, if I don't give it, I won't keep it. <clears throat> and of course, Luke 6:38, give and it shall be given unto you. That, that's not written just about money. That's written about life, yeah. forgiveness, understanding, yeah. compassion. Yeah. And so many Christians have this self-attitude. You know, I just come to church for myself. I, I just need some me time. That's the most ungodly, unchristian thing that has ever been invented. Self-magazine, self-time, self-love, self-care. Hello? Start loving people. Start serving people. You'll all of a sudden find new joy, new faith, new peace, new love, new... Ex You'll get better. You're the person... When you're only thinking about me, you're the person who had the surgery and has stayed in bed forever. And, and never got better. You got to get going. You got to give it away. Love isn't love till you give it away. I, I think that a lot, if maybe not all of Christianity, will be hard to have or receive if you're not actively using it. Yep. Maybe the only thing in the world that, that can't be learned if it's not applied. That's good. It, if, if you just can sit on the sideline and accumulate knowledge about Jesus and Christianity, eventually it's actually going to produce, it's going to make you look more like a Pharisee than Jesus. Yep. And that's not what we're producing. That's not what our goal is. We're not supposed to have head knowledge of Jesus. We're supposed to have actions from Jesus. And uh, if, I, if we could, you know, recommend, if, if, if you've never prayed for someone, if you've never gone through, through our prayer class, and it's a few weeks, so we just help you understand how to pray and some verses and we give you the coaching and the tools and make sure that you're ready. But then you can wait in one of these prayer booths at the back of our sanctuary and every service we give altar calls and we pray for people and then we just tell them, hey, listen, go to this prayer booth. We'd love to pray with you personally, have someone connect with you. Man, if you're one of those people and you're waiting there and you've never done it before, you're gonna have butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. Your, your heart's gonna be, be beating out of your ears. But you're gonna be more excited and honestly, after you pray for someone, the rest of your day is going to have a different level of high, it's a different true. excitement, it's because true. you will finally be doing what you were created to do. Yep. I think when you start praying for people and serving people and loving people, you, you really finally tap into uh, why you're here. And I think you start seeing not just uh, your life, but this human experience in a brand new way because it's not just head knowledge. You're finally living the life you were created to live and, um, and making a difference. Yeah. You, you're, you will live a better life. You will live a more fulfilling life. You will feel like you're like, you will love your life when your life serves someone, yeah. impacts someone. And, uh, but can I also add this thought that environment or, uh, environment of the person that you're serving does matter. Sure. I think, uh, I think about your story when you got saved and uh, you're coming out of addiction and inner drug rehab and you get saved and you start teaching at the, at the church you're going to and they had you just teaching junior hires really quick and, and you were just like, I'm just doing it. 
I got saved and I'm ready to, whatever they asked me to do, I was doing. What you didn't do is you didn't go back to your drug dealer right. and tell him about Jesus. Right. Let's sit down, smoke a joint, and talk about the Lord. And I think too many people think, well, if I'm not healthy yet, maybe I should go back to the people that helped me not be healthy, exactly. the people that got me in addictions, the people that kind of hurt me. Maybe it's a family member that hurt you, or maybe those are the people I need to witness to. No, those aren't the people you should be witnessing to out of the gate. You should go love someone else until God has strengthened you and healed you so that you're ready to go back and that, that, that wound is no longer an open wound. It's a testimony of God's healing power and how we could also heal them too. I think environment, too often, we're not ready to, to love the people that have hurt us. But it doesn't mean you're not ready to love people. Yeah. It just means not ready to love those people that stabbed you in the back. Go heal somewhere else, love someone else, and then go back and witness to those people eventually. Yep. I mean, there was a day when Mary, the mother of Jesus, was knocking on the door where he was teaching and they said, your family, your mom and your brothers are outside. And Jesus said, who's my mother, my brother? Those who do the will of my father. He, he knew, I can't fix those people right now. I, I got this other group I'm working with. Even Jesus didn't respond to some circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, it's important. Don't get trapped or manipulated yeah. by people that have hurt you. Uh, get to a new place where you can be a blessing. And remember, you're only blessed so you can be a blessing. And if you're wondering why you don't see more blessing in your life, maybe it's because God realizes you will never be a blessing to somebody else. You're always thinking about yourself. Amen. How do my, how do my thoughts impact my emotions? Yeah, thoughts and emotions, right? So God gave us emotions, but he never told us to follow the emotions. Just like you with your children, they may say to you, I don't feel like eating my dinner. I don't feel like cleaning my room. I don't feel like doing my homework. You say to them, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you feel like. Here's what we do. Here's how we live, how we roll. So thoughts and feelings are a big part of our life. But we're following our thinking based on God's word, not our feelings. Because feelings change so much. You know, you're so in love with that girl, and then something happened, and now you're like, uh, not too sure. What happened? Well, you know, uh, the feelings, I lost that loving feeling. Okay, if you get married because you feel like it, I know love is romance is feeling, sex is feeling, but if there's not something more that I believe this is God's will, I believe we can build a family together, I believe we can live and grow and do life together, if it's just a feeling, it's not going to last because emotions just, you know, if the doctor called you this morning and said you had a bad report on your last exam, Come in tomorrow, we'll talk more about it. Your mind just starts going, right? You're like, oh my gosh, what if I have cancer? I have a heart problem. I, I have a diabetes. I have, oh, oh, what's going on? Your emotions are negative. But then the phone rings again. 
<clears throat> it's the state of Washington, and you won the lottery, and we're on our way with a $20 million check made out to you. Yeah. Oh, man, you're excited. You're running around the house. Wow! What happened to all those worries about cancer and heart disease? It's amazing what $20 million will fix. But all that's just based on what you're thinking about. If you're thinking negative, you feel negative. So you watch bad news, you hear negative things, you start feeling down, it becomes, you said it earlier, you just get a cycle. You don't even know why you're feeling bad now. You've been feeling bad for 30 years. You've been hypnotized, as my friend Russell says, by the news and by the media and by the world. You're just hypnotized into feeling bad. Yes. You don't even know why you're feeling bad. Oh, I got the blue. What's, what what turns you blue? Well, you know. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. What are you talking about? I mean, everybody. Well, we all feel it. We're, no. no, we don't all feel that. Yeah. But you just, you just have a habit. You have an addiction. And in fact, have you ever heard of people who get addicted to poverty? And they actually sabotage any opportunity for prosperity. Here's why. Because you've been saying for years, you know, all rich people are liars and cheats. So if you got rich, that means you just a liar and a cheat. Subconsciously, you've made rich people bad. You have an addiction to poverty. To break that addiction, you have to renew your mind. And you're not ready to do that. The other thing, when you're rich, you think people are responsible. Well, you're rich. You should do something about this community. You're rich. You should do something about this problem. These rich people, these Bill Gates and these, they should fix that. If you were rich, you'd now be responsible. (laughs) So your addiction stops you from renewing your mind and being blessed, Mm -hmm. having the prosperity of God. So these are the habits that keep us stuck and actually bind us. They're they're lies of the devil to keep you bound And uh, what did Tabitha tell you on Friday night? Time to break up with the devil. Time to break it off. You know, Jesus in the New Testament uh, showed us many emotions. You know, he was angry at the people that were misusing the temple and and putting people in in greater level of bondage financially and misusing people. And he he grieved and he wept for Lazarus and... um, I think he's, he was showing us that emotions are great to have, but they're hard, they're, they're great to feel, but they're, they're horrible masters. Yep. They're, and if you allow your emotions to make the decisions of your life, to lead your life, your, your life is going to be a roller coaster at best. Yep. And too, too often we're allowing our emotions to make our decisions. We're allowing our emotions to make our choices in the moment. Often in the moment when your emotions making the worst exactly. choice. And if you could build your life on God's thinking, on God's verses, on God's scripture, on his word, and, and allow yourself to stand on a verse long enough for the wave of the emotion to come and to go, yeah. your life is going to be so much more stable, so much more godly, so much more focused. It's going to look like the life God created for you to live because 
Emotions he gave you to feel, but he did not give you to, to drive your life with. And uh, feel them, enjoy them when they're high, grieve when people when they're low, but don't allow them to make decisions in moments when they were, they were never made to make your decisions. Yep. God's word was, is there to make our decisions off of. Yep. And uh, so get a verse. Um, I know on our app, on our church app, if you go into the notes section, today we don't have any message notes in there because we're just kind of going off of questions, but we have verses there that build off of all of the answers that we've been kind of going off of today. So if you're on the app, ever get a verse from there this week. Um, so you could stand on that. Stand on a verse uh, and don't allow your emotions to make decisions for you, especially when your emotions are probably the last thing that should be making a decision when you're angry or hurt or sad or confused or just hot in the moment. Yeah. Um, make sure that your thinking ultimately starts to produce the things that you're feeling. And uh, you said it earlier your identity, who, who yeah. you are in Christ, who you are as a creation and a child of God. And Wendy had a phrase when our kids were little, she would say, that's not what treats do. She would use our last name to describe. That's not how we live. That's not how we roll. That's not, that's not what we do. So the, she was building an identity. This is what we do. We're generous, we're kind, we're faithful, we're, we're loving. And I notice, Caleb, when you're teaching your kids, they get excited, they get angry, they're fighting with each other, whatever, fighting over a toy or something. You, you always get them in a place where they can relax. It's like get out of the emotion and be able to talk, communicate, and think right. Because we all have to deal with it. We all have emotional ups and downs. I think if you could connect with your identity before you make every choice, you would make better choices. Yep. Yep. So let me say it this way. If you're driving and someone cuts you off and you're upset and then you recognize the car. <laughs> right, right. It's a guy you know at church. You won't honk. Right. You won't ride him. You, because your identity is at stake. Yep. Does that make sense? So yep. when you can attach your identity to your decisions, right. your decisions will be better. When I bring my littles, oh, come here, Levi, look at me. Hey, bud, how you doing, man? All of a sudden, he's not in the heat of the moment. Now I'm talking to who he is, and I'm reminding him how he acts, and I'm reminding him how he loves, and I'm reminding him how he respects. If we could attach our identity to our decisions, not our emotions to our decisions, I think oftentimes you have the ability to make the right decision. Yep. yep. Okay, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, the lamp, uh, the, the, that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be good. If your vision's good, your whole life is good. So I, I have a struggle, or many people are saying, I have a struggle with my soul, and so how do I hold on to my vision better so my soul can stay healthy. Uh, I feel like maybe every January we get all excited about new vision and new goals and this is me, the new me, new, new year, new me. And, or maybe we get a new job and we have new vision for it. Or if you're in school, there's a new school season starts and every September it's like a new year starts. Or there's these highs and lows in our year. We get new vision, we're all excited and then it, it, it drifts. How do I hold on to my vision better so I could stay healthier? Yeah, it's interesting how the Bible speaks about our eyes, right? Jesus said, if your eye is good, your whole life will be full of light. 
But if your eye is bad, do you know one translation said if your eye is single, if your eye is focused, right? You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. You are focused. Because as a young teenager, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I had no direction. I had, I had no vision. I ended up with negative addictions. I had a good friend, and I don't know how we became friends in school, but he, he, he was a smart kid, and, and we were pals when we were in high school. He had a vision. He went on and became a doctor. He never had problems and struggles and divorces and addictions. And, and I didn't find out till years later that he was a Christian. So if your eye is focused and clear, your future's bright. But if you have no vision, the Bible said, where there is no vision, people perish. It's also interesting where... Proverbs says, keep the word before your eyes. Like we like audio Bible. Also says, keep it in your ears. But something about seeing it, reading it, and looking on it, it strengthens you. So this whole concept of what you're seeing, what you're looking at, your vision really is your future because subconsciously you move toward that. So, okay, you grew up in a community where there's violence, where, where there's divorce, where there's no fathers, where there's no quality education. That's all you see. That's all you know. Yeah. In our world, there's a lot of other options. Yeah. But what you see is that. Yeah. You're probably stuck there. And you will say, oh, you know, I don't get a chance. I never had an opportunity. I never, well could be true or it could be your vision is your future. As a young Christian, I had a friend, good, good guy, got saved with him and, and we were growing in the Lord together. He moved back into the community where he grew up, lived in the same community where he became a drug addict and where he got in trouble and he had girlfriends and, you know, did teenage stuff. Well, I went to a whole new community. I never went back to that old community. My friend ended up leaving church. You know, he had a good reason. He got a job, had to work on Sunday, and the next reason, and the next thing, and the next thing. Well, finally, I heard he was just back in the world, back doing his old thing, kind of lost the whole way. And so your vision, what are you looking at? Yeah. I, I like reading the Bible as well as hearing it, but also we draw designs for new sanctuaries. We hire architects to help us design what our next church building will look at. And maybe you have a, a vision board or a dream board yeah. on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, put it on your refrigerator, right? Somehow to see where you're going. Yeah. And it's a, it's a human thing given to you by God. What you see you, you subconsciously move toward. So if you're looking at negative relationships, mean people, divorces, disasters, you just keep moving toward it. Yeah. <clears throat> looking at godly people, good things, positive things, you keep moving. Why do you suppose the devil wants you watching shows about hospitals, sicknesses, crime, disasters, bad news. Why do you think that's what's getting the higher ratings? Because as long as he can keep all that in front of your eyes, we just got through with Halloween, 
fear, horror, slashers, killers. How in the world can that be a popular thing? Addictions, habits, vision. You just, it's like watching a train wreck. You can't look away. And then you wonder why you end up sick, poor, divorced, troubles, problems. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Even, who was that guy? Flip Wilson taught you in 1960. What you see, hey, the comedian guy, he said, what you see is what you get. This is before your time. Yeah. S- sounded funny. Um, sorry. Can't catch a break around sorry. here. Where's the love? Where's my support? Um, I think with vision, that it really, to have a healthy eye, to have healthy vision, um, you have to stay on it. it. I think it leaks. I think vision just, uh, it just leaks. So if you're not staying on it, it drifts. And uh, writing goals in January is not enough to have a healthy, strong vision. Um, for me, I not keep in it, February. Nope, by February, right, is empty. Gyms are back light. They're empty again by February. And a few of us have to endure the bad January when you guys come and mess our flows up. And then we know you're leaving by February and we want to cheer you out and uh, get out of our way. Um, Get off my bench. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, And uh, I'm not kidding. Don't come to my gym. So, uh, (laughs) but uh, I keep healthy. So one of the things I do first thing in the morning, I I like to wake up and I look at a, Scriptures, a few verses in the morning to confess over my marriage and my kids and uh, church, you guys. And then I look at a little vision board, a little folder of photos. I want to see uh, the cities that we want campuses in. I want to see some places I want to travel to with my wife. I want to see uh, just photos of, of generations. And uh, I want a vision to drive my life so that I'm healthy for a reason. I don't just want to have a healthy soul to claim I have a healthy soul. I want a healthy soul to live a healthy, productive, full life. Right. And sometimes vision gives me the fire that I need, the, the, the energy or the fuel, so to speak, for my motor to run at the pace I need it to work, uh, to get where I'm trying to go. And without healthy vision, why go through the work? Without healthy vision, why go through the motion of going somewhere if you don't know where you're going? Why go through the work? Why go through the struggle? Why go through the energy and the effort of getting healthy for what? Where are you going? What? If, 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 you're, if you don't have a destination, there's no point in putting gas in the car. There's no point in fixing the car. And so too many of us don't have healthy vision. So since we have no drive to get anywhere, why get better? Because there's nowhere to go anyway. But if you have a healthy vision in your marriage, like this is where we want to be when we're 50, where we want to be when we're 60. These are the places we want to travel together. I have vision to live a long, healthy life with Krista, so i got to work out this little argument we had because uh, <laughs> I don't want to be arguing about it in 40 years as we travel together. I mean, I want to get healthier and better, and I want my kids to have years of, of, of healthy life, so i got to parent well today because I have reason in my future to really matter about today. And so I think a lot of our souls are just lazy and in default mode because our vision isn't pulling us forward. Right. Yeah, the soul is strong when the vision is strong. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right there. 
The soul is strong when the vision is strong. Hey, and guys, you know, step one, make Jesus Lord of your life. The Bible said if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It didn't say if you decided to go to church. Because a lot of us did that, right? It's like, man, I got to go to church. I got to get better, right? New Year, Christmas time, whatever. I got to go to church. No, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? And when you make him Lord, Jesus said, that's when you are born again. And Jesus said, if you're not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. So that's step one. Make him Lord. Now, sometimes we drift, like Caleb said. We kind of get away. We're not sure. Where am I with the Lord? What does the Lord think about me? Okay, let's settle it today. Let's pray. Let's connect with him. Let's make sure he is Lord of our life. And let's start taking steps in our walk with God. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at christianfaith.us.